All content discussed on Hypochondriactor are the individual opinions of Dr. Priyanka Wally and Sean Hayes and should not be construed as personalized medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. I'm Dr. Priyanka Wally, medical doctor and stand-up comedian. And I'm Sean Hayes, actor and hypochondriac. It's safe to say that I'm not America's first hypochondriac, but I am America's first hypochondriactor. Hi, Priyanka. Oh, hey, Sean. How are you? Oh, what's with the... Oh, like it's so low today. I'm just... I'm really excited because um, I went to the dentist yesterday and I got my (laughs) teeth cleaned. And I don't know (laughs) what you... If you like... I love... Getting nope. my teeth clean. Like, nobody starts. It- nobody starts any sentence with. I'm really <laughs> excited because I went to the dentist. So you you don't have that thing where the scraping sound is like nails on a chalkboard when they scrape oh, the plaque. I can't stand that. Okay, yeah. so the the scraping sound. I actually almost was like, can I wear some earplugs mm-hmm. because it's so. It's it's worse than the actual cleaning. Yeah, and I mid cleaning, I, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But then after, when I like saw the teeth, I was like, oh my God, like it was so worth it. Oh, my own mouth tastes so good is your yeah. reaction. But, but, but I can't, but the script, but when I was a oh. kid, they used to give you like, remember the Sony Walkmans? They used yes. to, my dentist in Glen Ellen, Illinois, he was great. He gave me headphones and then the TV, like that's not in front of you. It's like on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. how, he had it all worked out. It was like amazing. Uh-huh. So you didn't have to hear the scraping. Why do they stop that when you become an adult? I don't know, Priyanka. You need you need to figure that out. That's why we look to you. I'm going to give this person feedback whom I love. He's the greatest, yeah. Dr. Tanega. Yeah. And he has a TV and he yeah. plays like really soft, calm images of like landscapes. Yeah. I'm and up it's to, like I'm really soothing. I'm into that. <laughs> But no headphones. But this is a good idea. I might make a suggestion. Yes. And get some get some freaking headphones. Or bring your own, you know, if you have earbuds or whatever. Those Ear, are. Earbuds. I think I might do that because the noise, you know, and I have sound sensitivity, so I hear it much yes. louder than yes, I think yes. it normally is. And it's so interesting though, the the experience of it, you know, when you anticipate the pain, even though there's no pain. There's, you there's know? no pain. Right. But but if they get too close to the gum, you're like, ah, 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 right. Oh, and then, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I squirm. It's like, I'm a squirmer. Yeah, it's like and they're like, Oh, is that okay? No, you have a needle <laughs> going into my gut. Like this is can't yeah. be news to you that you hit my gum and it hurts. But totally. I, I also think at the end when they like quote polish your teeth yeah yeah the polish i don't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. i don't i don't like that because it's gritty tasting and i'm like oh and I it doesn't it doesn't i don't like it and it's like <laughs> i can just brush my teeth when i go home like because that stuff never stays on so yeah. what is the polish for i don't understand i don't even know but i love that sandy gritty oh, you're crazy thing. you're crazy and you know what do they do for you after there's like this it's fluoride, but it's kind of like a foam, and they just like coat your gums and your mouth with this fluoride foam for no. like two minutes before you spit it out. No, that with the images sounds like heaven. It, like I foam love. With it's the like my favorite images. part. And then they, yeah. it's bubblegum flavored or something, but you're oh, not supposed yeah. to swallow it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Good luck. 
And I told the dentist, I was like, you need to like numb this whole area up. Like, I don't want to feel anything. Like, I just want to go in. Just give me extra numbing stuff because it's so uncomfortable. So you get numbing before the teeth cleaning? Yes. Yeah, Scotty does that too. I, I'm I'm good now. I used to have to do that. But do you floss like every day? Are you good I do. I yeah. floss every day. I floss twice a day. Oh, you do? Yeah. I'm I'm a big flosser. Do you yeah. floss? Yeah, I do. Once, Once right before I go to bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's actually like more important than the actual brushing. Absolutely, but but for if I if I eat something like um, that gets in between my teeth, I use a toothpick during the day. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm all. I about can't that handle stuff anything too. in my teeth. Oh my gosh, same here. I'm so glad we're covering this. I'm so glad after all these years, we finally addressed this. <laughs> we should talk about making out at some point. Like if both <laughs> oh of our God. mouths, both of our oh mouths are that clean. Let's but you know out. who we won't make out with today? Who, who? Our guest. <gasps> oh ben my God, Ben Badgley. <laughs> Nor would he want to, well, he'd probably want to make out with you, but not with me. But um, <laughs> oh. it's the coolest name and I can't wait to meet him because Gossip Girl yeah. is like such a huge, massive Huge, hit. huge hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't yeah. wait to talk to him. Um, Oh my God, I could talk about dentistry all day long. But uh, yes. before, before we even dive in any further, yeah. I want to ask you a question. How many times have you had stomach pain and thought it was appendicitis? Because I've had that. When, when sure. You, and it ended up in that like explosive intestinal surgery thing. Remember mm-hmm. that? It, well, it, it's exactly what happened to our guest today. Let's hear more from Riley. Yeah. Riley! Hi, Riley! Hello! Okay, yes. full, full disclosure, Riley is the producer of this show. How exciting that you're on to share your story. Yes. Uh, and when I saw it, when I saw it in my notes, I was like, wait, Riley, Riley? Oh my God. Yes. No way. This is so exciting. Okay, so Riley, talk us through what happened. So you you, yeah. you think you had appendicitis or you did or what happened? I, I want to know the symptoms because I think a lot of people should know it because I thought I had it when truly my small intestine burst open. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know like that, that's what it was and because I thought, oh, I was in so much pain. I was like, oh, I must have appendicitis, but it was mm-hmm. in the center. It wasn't on the side. Yeah, tell us about your experience. Yeah, so working on this show is huge exposure therapy for me because I <laughs> yeah. always think I have everything. Yeah, right. And right. appendicitis is the number one thing I've always thought I had. Really? Um, to the point that I've Googled it like 400 times probably. Wow. Wow. Um, just to like make sure I don't have it. So wow. Friday night I go out to dinner with my cousin and my boyfriend and I'm not hungry at all. And they're kind of like teasing me like, you ordered all this food. And I was like, yeah, I was hungry. Now I'm not. Go to sleep that night. Wake up at 3 a.m. with some of, like, the worst intestinal cramps I've ever had. Really? Okay. But I am very prone to, one, dietary things. I'm lactose intolerant, like, severely. Mm -hmm. And two, um, I get cysts on my ovaries a lot. Okay. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I kind of thought that it could be that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just sort of tossing and turning for a while. I, like, wake Mm -hmm. my boyfriend up. Mm -hmm. And it gets to be, like, 9 a.m., And he's like, are you good? You're like moving around a lot. And I'm like, I'm just in a lot of pain. These cramps have kind of like started moving to my like belly button. And I've never had cramps there before. Uh Uh Uh-huh. And also side note, it's his birthday. Oh, Um, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. So um, we go. He's like, I think we should go to urgent care. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't him. think so. It's going to uh-huh. pass. And he was like, no, it's early enough in the day. Let's just go and make sure it's nothing. Uh-huh. So, you can get, uh-huh. so you can get right in. Exactly. Yeah. So we go to urgent care. They take us right away. And she does like some tests on me, does some blood work and tells me that like she's very positive. It is not appendicitis. She thinks okay. I have food poisoning because we had sushi the night before. 
she prescribed antibiotics and said, like, if you don't feel better by this afternoon, consider going to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And antibiotics make your stomach hurt even more. OK, keep going. So I actually never ended up taking the antibiotics because I get back to my apartment and throw up like three times, like oh, back wow. to back, just like yeah. very ill. And I can't figure out if it's because of pain mm-hmm. or if it's like I'm oh, actually man. sick. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend's trying to like spoon feed me soup. And I'm like, I don't want this. Like, yeah. I'm oh, just my in goodness. pain. Uh, and by the way, sometimes when you're feeling sick, it's better to spoon feed you than ask to spoon. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Such um, a good point. Thanks. And I took um an extra strength Tylenol. Mm-hmm. All the symptoms and I had a heating pad went away for 30 minutes. I felt mm-hmm. great. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it passed. No big deal." Mm-hmm. Right. Truly 30 minutes on the dot passes. I'm back to throwing up in severe pain. Wow. Yep. yep. My boyfriend's like let's go to the emergency room. And I'm like, it's your birthday. We have a party in five hours. We're not going to the emergency room. Like, mm-hmm. I will grin and bear it. Meanwhile, oh. I look over and he's researching emergency rooms in New York on his phone and uh-huh. also calling an Uber because I had just moved here three weeks prior right. and know oh nothing. Uh-huh. Um, wow. And so we end up at the emergency room. They, like, get me in right away. and We do a CAT scan. I've never had an IV before ever mm-hmm. like never really? I, this is my first time being in the hospital i've never okay. had surgery i've never had anything oh uh-huh. my god yeah i've had some concussions i was like a very active soccer player in my yeah. youth but i've never been like admitted for I, could have, I could have driven you there i have my own parking <laughs> Sean spot could have given <laughs> you the tour yeah, i just park yeah. in my spot and go right in <laughs> yeah so they, they give me um they give me like an iv and like i feel like i'm peeing my pants Um, Uh and they do the CT and it's like hours. They're like, this is going to be like two or three hours before we get the results. And I'm like, okay. Were you in pain as, as there was one position I could get comfortable in, which was on my side with my, like kind of in a fetal position, like kind of legs tucked on my side. (laughs) What if you were like, there's one position I I was comfortable in, it was hanging upside down and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was like all on fours. Was it on your left side that you were more, you were in that fetal position on the left side or was it the right side? Yeah, okay. It was I'll on my left side. Why that's important in just a minute. Yeah. Okay. And about this point, it was no longer cramps. It was like shooting pain to the right mm-hmm. of my belly button. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. And so they come back with the results. And by this point, I had taken a long nap. My boyfriend's like texting my family updates. Ooh. Like, yeah. And we think I'm like, I wake up from this long nap and I'm like, I feel great. Yeah. Like yeah. they just pumped me through a pain medicine. Like I feel fantastic. And they still don't know fun. what it is. They, no, it's the, the, it took just so long. The ER was so busy. And I'm like, we're going to wow. make it back in time for your party. This is awesome. Literally the second I say, we're going to make it back in time for the party. The doctor comes in and goes, I have bad news. And I thought she was about to tell me a joke. Like mm-hmm. I thought she was like, being sarcastic, like, I have bad news. <laughs> no, yeah. um, no. Like, there's a different party going on. Yeah. yeah. No, that, um, <laughs> she was like, you have appendicitis. And I just started sobbing. Sure. Yeah. I've never had surgery before. And I, yeah. it's like one of my greatest fears is to yeah. go under. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So my boyfriend like tells everyone I'm like sobbing. Like, I'm so sorry we're missing your party. It's mm-hmm. your birthday. I promise mm-hmm. I didn't plan this. Like, <laughs> of course. Like, like, the guilt. Just like, yeah. Yeah, just feeling so guilty. And he's like, it's totally okay. I'm like, you should go back for the party. And he's like, no, we're going to the hospital because they, uh-huh. they couldn't do the surgery there. So they called oh, us an ambulance. Wow. And I'm like, ambulances are so expensive. I was like, can I Uber yeah. to the oh hospital? They're like, and they no, were like, honey. They're like, no, no, no. Also, the ambulance will be free. And I was like, okay, great. Great. Right. So they get us to the hospital. At this point, I'm in like severe pain. And my boyfriend is like pleading with nurses. Like, you need to get her more medicine. Like, I know you're busy, but please like come to oh, this wow. room and get her more medicine. Uh-huh. Shout out oh, to the boyfriend, goodness. by the yeah, way. Yeah, truly. Seriously. 
Connor is a legend. He's an icon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big love for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he died get morphine for the first time. It's Fantastic. incredible. How was that? It's, it's great, it felt, right? I felt like I was going to throw up for 30 seconds and then it went away and I felt great. Yeah, um, right. for sure, right, right. for sure. Yeah. And I'm prone to panic attacks, so they're also pumping me full of at the same time. Oh right, my of course. God. Right. I was getting Was that both. your first time taking that? Oh, no, I take religiously Priyanka. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm, a, I'm a two panic attack kind of weak kind of girl. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so, so then, yeah, did they take you to the OR? They did? Yes. What happened? So they tell my boyfriend he has to leave. It's busy hours are over. They're like, you're not going to have surgery though until like 2 p.m. tomorrow. So yeah. you're not huh. like a high risk case. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. They okay. wake me up from deep sleep at 4 a.m. and say you're going to surgery no. right wow. now. Wow. I'm physically shaking. Like, yeah. I am full of so many medications. I'm so anxious. Yeah. yeah. I get down to surgery. They tell me, okay, we're going to give you something for your nerves. Uh, oh, also the head of uh, acute surgery was doing my surgery, which okay. was a nice little bonus. Mm -hmm. But they, they're they like, we're going to give you something for anxiety and then we're going to do the anesthesia. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. They give me something for anxiety. They say, it's going to feel like you've had one too many drinks. And I said, that's fun. Don't remember a single other thing. They wake me up at like 8 a.m. And they're like, you're good to go. Like, you're going home now. And wow. I was like, okay. Yeah. And I just remember falling asleep, like putting on my clothes, going pee. Like, I was just sleeping. I don't know how I texted my boyfriend to tell him to come and get me. <laughs> wow. I literally have no memory of getting home. Wow. I slept wow. the entire day. Wow. And then in terms of recovery, it really wasn't bad. It was laparoscopic. So, um, yeah, so what, I can like show a you guys. Day or two? Yeah, I can show you guys after. I have a really gross picture of my belly button. But um, yeah. it was like three days of severe pain. Yeah. And then after that, like, I did a ton of ab crunches. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. And then by mm -hmm. a week, I was done, like, yeah. with pain. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for and sure. So, like, honestly, very easy. Well, I'm glad you're okay. But I, here's my first question. Then Priyanka, dive in. But my first yeah. question is, at the beginning of this whole story, you said, I'm always thinking I'm getting appendicitis. I'm Googling yeah. it. Is it because it was, like, a slow burn of getting appendicitis? I did ask if I, like, could have had this for a while. And they were like, yeah, no, you got it the second so that... You felt it. So here's a little tip to figure out. Sometimes there are certain signs and symptoms that can give you a clue that this is appendicitis versus something else. So first of all, appendicitis, it presents as a stomach ache. That's the most common symptom. It's reported mm -hmm. in nearly all confirmed cases of appendicitis. But what's unique about the presentation of appendicitis is that it'll first start around the belly button. Uh, the umbilicus is the medical term. It's peri-umbilical, but then it'll migrate to your right lower part of your belly. Wow. And it's that migration that'll happen in about half of cases of classic appendicitis. Wow. There's also this one test that I think is important. It's called the rosing sign. And what happens is you the appendix is on the right lower part of your gut, but if you press on the left lower part, the opposite side and you press down on that, you'll get pain on the right side. That's happening to me. Tenderless. So you must have had a positive rosing sign, which is somewhat sensitive and specific for appendicitis. What do you do if you don't feel that pain uh, migrate from the belly button to the right side? Do you still know you have it? or you, it So that it's not a super specific sign for appendicitis, but it mm. is a clue. Yeah. The best way to sort of confirm it is by doing a diagnostic scan, like a CAT scan, and it'll show that. The positive news is that now that your appendix has been fully taken out, 
you're not going to get appendicitis again. That's you know? what everyone's telling me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I kind of want mine out just to have it out. No, Sean. No, don't, <sighs> don't, don't All manifest right. appendicitis. All right. I won't. Um, Riley, thank, thank you, you, honey. Thank I'll, you, Riley. We'll see you after the show. Yes. yes. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Now, how cool was that? I mean, that was so and, cool. And by the way, I think we have to remind people about appendicitis because it's such a common problem. It's a classic. Right. And yeah. I always think like, I'm truly like Riley was saying, like, I kind of always think like if I get a stomach issue, is that it? Because I hear how painful it is. I hear like it's an issue. It's hard to diagnose and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's one of the earliest things that we learn about in medical school, how to treat and diagnose appendicitis. So oh, it's, it's also great reviewing this just from a kind of old school perspective. So, yeah, yeah. I love it. I and mean, we haven't had anybody talk about that on the show before. I know. Yeah. So it's good. So, Thank you, Riley. Yeah. Uh, guys, we love, love hearing your stories. Yes. Please keep calling in and leaving us a message. one 529 is the phone number. And keep sharing your stories with us. Also, we love reading your reviews. So please keep them coming. You can leave us a review at apple.co slash hypo. That's apple.co slash hypo. Let's get to our guest. Oh, you are going to be so excited for our guest today. He's an actor, musician, and podcast host. It's time to gossip, girl. It's the amazing Penn Badgley. <laughs> oh, my God. You hate that. Hello. You hate no, that. I don't know. I don't know. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I, I have to embrace it entirely. But, okay. Uh... Let's talk about that right off the bat. Yeah. See, because when I, first of all, it's so nice to meet you. Yeah. So uh, wait, 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 Sean. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. This is not the first time we've met. Now, it's okay that you are not aware Wait, what happened? I was <laughs> the first job I ever had was on Will and Grace. <gasps> oh. Wait a minute. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine. So do you remember when you when your character Jack uh yeah. I you know what's funny, man? I literally wasn't even thinking about this. I was not like, oh Sean, oh, you know, I don't it's not like I'm telling myself I I know you well. No. It's yeah, but dude, it was my first job. I was twelve years old. Wow. Wait, are you um, joking I, I, me? No, 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 no. No, no, no. So so do you recall the storyline where Jack was waiting in um Fort he Karen doesn't in a remember PTA any, conference? Yeah. Any <laughs> stories. Just FYI. Like he knows that's, nothing wait, about wait, that's his actually character. I have I this is people come on to got people from people who've actually like really made it now, they if they were in a late stage Gossip Girl episode, I'm like, I to have no recollection. Well, also, I don't. So I totally understand. First or second season of the show, and I was 26 years old or something. It's 27, 28, and I was like, I couldn't believe I was on a TV show. So I was like, had blinders on. Yeah. So I but, mean, whatever, the, whatever the case. Wait. So wait. Keep going with the scene. What was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so was you it? are waiting. Uh, Jack is waiting for Karen in the like halls of Karen's. I guess would it have been stepson or son? Okay. School. You don't really ever see them. Okay. The okay. point is, you are alone in the halls of this school. Yeah. And the joke is that this is your nom because you were made fun of so much. Uh-huh. And so what happens is while Jack is waiting for Karen, this kid runs down the hall and he's being bullied by two others. I was the bully who had lines. The other bully oh, had no wow. lines. Well, you're, so well this, you wonder why I didn't remember you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, then this, so then this kid, so then this kid, I think his name might have ended up being John because the joke was that he had a one-man show that was called Just John. Oh, that's like hysterical. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I, don't rem- I don't remember any of that. But look, it's so good to see you. But listen, that's, that's, that's so wild. What a small world. Yeah. I know. And but But to your point about like, well, you know, when I just said, well, you must get that a lot, like, it's time to gossip, girl, or whatever the jokes are about the title, because I get that too. Mm-hmm. And for such a long time, and a lot of actors do this, 
you kind of want to run from the thing that made you famous or run oh, from yeah. the thing that where that made people embrace you because yeah. you want to prove that you're not just an actor in one role, right? And then you realize, oh no, no, no. I need, to embrace, I need to embrace <laughs> that thing yeah. because you're an asshole if you don't. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah and, and not yeah. only this, just because of that, because you need to be grateful. And and once I had distance from it, I was like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me in the world. And mm-hmm. not that I ever pushed people away. I was like, but people would be like, hey, it's just Jack. I used to be like, well, like I was on an airline once and I go, uh-huh. my name is Sean. And she goes, no, it's just Jack. I go, no, my name is Sean, Sean Hayes. And she goes, uh, not to me, you're just Jack. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, she really kept it going. Yeah, yeah she kept going. And yeah, I was like, yeah, that's hard. okay. And then I was like, no, I need to be like, hey, yeah, it's me. What's going on? You know, mm. so because it makes people happy and I should be uh, grateful for that. And then you were like, ma'am, this is first class. You need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was Cody. Sir, this is but, a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> tell us about your podcast now. It's called Pod Crushed, which is such a great idea. It, it, it is. So I have two co-hosts who are um, they're former middle school teachers or administrators in some capacity. I yeah. actually didn't finish middle school because I was working and, mm-hmm. I, and I tested out of actually high school. I got the equivalent of a high school diploma. So, so mm-hmm. basically we just use stories of rejection, awkwardness, heartbreak, first mm-hmm. love. Yeah. You know, coming because, of age. Right, because you yeah. felt so bad playing that part in Will and Grace. So you're yeah. like, I got to make up for it. <laughs> it yeah, it's true. It, you know, it's, it's pro- apart from my current character is probably the meanest, uh, meanest role I've ever had. Because he, he, he was, he was excruciatingly mean to this uh, Wait, boy. so is the, the, was it spawned because of you, you kind of didn't go through it yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that age, no matter where you are it doesn't matter if you're in middle school or not i mean it's what's happening to your body actually and your brain Mm. and your mind and your heart all these you know your attitudes it's the first time that that a young person can look out into the world and really see things like justice and injustice yeah that's big Mm. yeah yeah and it's but of course the way that it manifests every day is like i'm really self-conscious about how i appear to others you know I'm yeah and and um so it's like it's a really important time in life and from what i understand maybe you can tell me if this is accurate uh Hmm. so there's two periods of plasticity in the brain that are the highest one is like early early infancy like basically Mm -hmm. when you first come out i guess first Mm -hmm. maybe one or two years Uh and then the other is this stage of adolescence where you know you Mm -hmm. hit puberty and and all that and so to me that's just one sort of medical marker of what Mm -hmm. makes that time in life so intensely unique and extreme in ways yeah and so, you know, it's like you ask anybody, what were you doing when you were 12 and 13? Wh- tell me an embarrassing story. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has one. So yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what we do. Yeah. yeah, it's a really, really great idea. Thanks. Just to piggyback off of your point, you know, generally the first seven years of life is the critical period where people's attachment patterns developed and right. whether they learn to develop healthy attachments or not. Then the adolescent years from age seven to 14 after that is a period of basically testing that mm. period to, okay. to really reconfirm. So if someone in the first seven years of life has events that cause unhealthy attachment patterns, those patterns are then reconfirmed. Yeah. Between ages seven to fourteen, which is why, to your point, like if there's bullying or if there's any kind of stress that in the school environment, it's sort of reconfirming, and it becomes even more challenging for people that had early attachment yeah, issues because totally. of whatever traumas they were dealing with. Well, that's fascinating. Exactly, and and you know, it's like middle school is famously a place where. <sighs> I mean, yeah, it's rough. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kids yeah. can be and at it, their meanest. 
Totally. Yeah. And you and know. if we take a step back and think about why is that, right? Yeah. It's like what kinds of experiences did they go through to bring in to that environment? And it all gets played out, right? And it's exactly. all just from home. It's just how what it's all coming yeah. from yeah. Yeah, the totally. early years and Isn't what kinds amazing? of attachments they were taught to have. Um, this is why it's so important to have good, you know, sort of attachments being taught early in childhood and why it's so important to, you know, hold on to your kids and meet their needs. And, you know, if you take a step back, like our culture, right? Like we're in a real workaholic culture. People are, are working several jobs. Like we put our kids in different scenarios because we don't have time for them. So it does have an impact, you know, I'm I'm one of the, I'm one of those exceptions where my dad left when I was five and I turned out great. No issues at all. (laughs) No issues at all. You just have a show about being a (laughs) hypochondriac. <laughs> I mean, oh. it didn't scar me at all. I, I am know. fantastic. I know. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the other thing I was going to say was I was like in junior high, like you said, Penn, it was like uh, I got uh, like three or four guys try to shove me in a band locker, mm. like for the mm-hmm. drums, you know, those big things. And this is I a would, big locker. Yeah, those are huge. And mm-hmm. um, and they all picked me up and was like trying to put me in there. And I was, I'd stop any anytime they try to shove me in there. I'd stop with my feet, you know. I'd stop Aww. going in with my yeah. feet. And uh, and and it was now that I look back, it was hysterical because I was laughing through it and I was dying on the inside. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. You know, I got bullied growing up. I was a bit, uh, you know, on the heavier side, and so they would call me. No joke, they would call me Wally Mammoth. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, because really? my last name's Wally, and uh, yeah, I remember just feeling so self-conscious. One, I mean, it's a great insult, <laughs> but um, but yeah. Wow. Okay, so let's get into it. Something about a broken toe, and then something about birth, like as a child or something. Yeah. Or so, so I, the the more interesting. So the the I broke my let's, toe. I don't have many. St- you're lucky. stories, actually. Oh, that's so fortunate. Wow. For everyone you don't, I have 10. Right. Yeah. yeah that's what I gather. So I'll yeah. go yeah. right to, let's go right to the, to the, to the good stuff. So okay. I was two months premature. Ooh. Um, okay. So interestingly, my, my wife is a doula. So like a birth oh, attendant. Oh, cool. So I've learned a lot about the various ways that just, you know, birth experience and early life imprinting, all that kind of stuff. That's mm-hmm. really, really, really interesting and fascinating. And Priyanka, what's a doula? So a, a doula is is a person who is basically their job is to guide and support a pregnant person during their labor process. Oh, like, uh, um, yeah, um, uh, what's the other word called? Um, you're thinking of a midwife? Yeah, a midwife, yeah. So they're not like a midwife. The midwife will actually deliver the baby. Yeah. The doula is only there to be the companion and support the person. Yeah, for the birth and uh, person. It, it's yeah. it's like it's uh, what my wife says is everything waste up, meaning they're not medically okay. certified to catch a baby, although depending right. on the doula, they might be so experienced that they would would be capable. But the well, point depends is, on is how like, far you throw it. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the weight of the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Generally speaking, aerodynamics of the child. Um, but yeah, so I, I've I've learned a lot about uh prenatal postpartum mm-hmm. stuff and and realized how much this did impact me so so yeah so i was i was two months premature and uh wow evidently i th- i kicked i mean as the story goes i sort of kicked my way out um could have been because i was malpositioned you know i once saw a specialist about my spine and you know he detected uh-huh. maybe some kind of like cranial fusion something or other who who knows because i i haven't actually had any problems with my body really since birth but the first okay. year of my life well for the for the first couple of 
weeks I was in a NICU because my heart and lungs would stop repeatedly throughout the day. So I was on a a heart monitor. So my mom had to learn how to resuscitate me, like, viscerally, you know? And and although I guess that was being done, I don't really know. Yeah, I guess that was being done by doctors for the first couple of weeks. That's crazy. Where she had to resuscitate you just because you would multiple times a day because my heart and no lungs way. would stop and mm. and wow. uh and I was on a monitor that would just beep very loudly mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so I mean the first time she had to do it was on the way home from the hospital when oh, I was released wow. from the NICU and they you know I they basically said like this will happen you know wow. like immediately so you're going to have to and um until and got, what so it, age? Until How about long did that... one. I think by the time I was one, it had gotten to the point where like my cousins will tell stories that they remember when they were like four or five, six, where I would be in the back seat, you know, in a car seat, hooked up to the monitor, and it would go off and all anybody had to do was just touch me. Like uh-huh. so just so just human touch would would, would wake me up. Wow. Well, because um, it would be because the heart would stop? Um yes, heart and or lungs. God, so that's so, insane. I think at that point it was the heart. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of like it faded away. I mean, actually, I haven't spoken to my mom about the particulars in a while, which would be interesting uh-huh. because the 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 effect that it's had on me, at least in a sort of, you know, emotional way, is that right. I'm extremely sensitive to touch, you know, oh, extremely. Wow. Yeah. I just noticed that in my life, you know. It's, wow. And, and um, I've realized later that it's probably pretty significant. And I'm sort of, I'm, I'm kind of like bird-boned, like I'm smaller than my father a bit, mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's, um, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's... That's interesting. I, 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 what is that, Priyanka, about the, t- I mean, obviously I know where it comes from for you, like the touch thing is, because I have a little bit of that too, like unless it's, you know, Scotty or somebody in my right, life, yeah, right. I don't like to be touched. So, Penn, do you mind sharing a sort of an example in the present day of how you're sensitive to touch that perhaps maybe someone without your experience wouldn't necessarily have that yeah. kind of a reaction? It's a pretty broad statement to make, so I'm not linking it uniquely to that. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll even say something like, you know, so many people, <laughs> actors, people in Hollywood, anybody with more than some money, Everybody seems to love massages. I, I have yeah. never. It's too intimate to me. Oh, it's like wow. that's a whole other thing, kind of. But oh yeah, it, I it, love them. It, it it right right. And so to me, it's just like I don't know the 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 touch. Anytime I just recall throughout life, like anytime anybody yeah yeah touches me, I'm just very aware Sensitive. of it. You know, yeah. and, and so this is like this is a very this is a very non medical sort of link to make, but. It's, well, you know, it it, 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 makes, it it makes a lot of sense to me because there's actually established research that talks about the sort of beneficial health effects of being touched. Like it can lower your heart rate and boost your immune system and, you know, lessen depression, mm-hmm. all of this stuff and all that. There can be therapeutic benefits to touch. But in your situation, one of your earliest memories was an association of touch with near-death experience. Yeah. You know, your heart was yeah, literally yeah. That stopping. That yeah. and, and you were Constantly. time and time again touched <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. setting of what? that near-death experience. And I'm sure, I'm sure like as you were getting older, you're like, I'm sleeping. Don't touch me. I'm not, right. I, my heart is fine. Yeah. But having that kind of ongoing association of touch with a, a near-death experience, it makes total sense to yeah. me why even decades later you would be 
hypervigilant or sort of wary of touch because of that association. That's just sort of what's coming to mind just logically about it. I, yeah. I certainly wouldn't pathologize it in any way. It makes a lot right. of sense. It's just, it, yeah, it's just, it's just something that I've noticed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Interesting. I mean, does that resonate with you, that, that idea, or what are your thoughts on that? It does. I mean, I, well, you know, so I'm also a very spiritual person, and I think somehow that the fact that I was more or less flatlining multiple times a day for the first yeah, year unbelievable. is significant to me. Like, mm. like, this is, again, to make a statement like this is kind of outlandish and not linked so easily medically, but like... That's okay. De death doesn't scare me. I don't uh -huh. know if yeah. that sounds weird yeah. to say, but it yeah. just... You know, yeah, I, All right. I, like it just there's some aspect to that where I feel like there's a, a gravity to the mm. earliest experiences I had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which somehow, I mean, it's made me a very like, I don't know, meditative, like I can have a mode that is very solitary and meditative. And I think, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know, I, I would imagine. So, so I have a toddler who's two years and um, a couple months old. Congrats. Mm -hmm. And I started to think throughout the first year, I was like, wow, if that was me, mm -hmm. I was constantly flatlining. Mm. Yeah. Right. And right. by the time you're a year old, knowing mm -hmm. my son, my biological son, the way that I do, because I have a stepson as well, who's, who's 13 years old, but like, I, you have so much personality and consciousness going oh, yeah. on by the time yes. you're even a couple months old, but especially a year old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if my son, who I now know so well, was the first year of his life flatlining mm -hmm. multiple times yeah, a day? That's, that's mm -hmm. The idea yeah. that that wouldn't influence him is friggin' ridiculous. Well, and how yeah. did, how, yeah, and, yeah. And, and of course, how how did it um, impact your parents? Well, who probably yeah, so, lived in fear so, of like going to sleep and fear of right. Like, so my you know. mom, my I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, my dad, I think, kind of they went in opposite yeah. directions. My Mm -hmm. My dad couldn't deal and basically was like... Is his name Ron Hayes? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we have the same dad. Um, he, he stuck yeah, around yeah. physically, you know? <laughs> um, mm. No, he, yeah, I mean, he, I, I think in that particular respect, it's like, because I even know just the way that sleep is with those early years, you, you, you often parents have to kind of, one goes in the other room to, to be like, all right, yeah, when I wake up, I'm all on. And when you, so, yeah. so I think the shift was like, my mom, she was the one who... Who would wow, resuscitate it's just me, you know? amazing. And, wow. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it, like, thinking of my toddler now, I actually can barely, I'm realizing, like, yeah, that really did affect me. It affected my, mm -hmm. my, my sense of, like, you know, uh, just what life is like, what life is not like. Just, yeah. you, you know, my, my toddler is so joyful, and I think mm -hmm. I might have been, too. But it does. It 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 would mark him. Like there's no way yeah. it wouldn't mark him that he's just constantly <laughs> right. <flat -lined. laughs> right. Right. You you're mentioning also something really kind of critical. I mean, you're it changed your relationship with death, right? That we're all gonna die well, at speak, some point. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, uh, many people live their lives in avoidance of facing yeah. the fear of death. Yeah. Um, and they schedule their whole lives around that. In many ways, I wonder, given your experience and your lack of fear towards death, what are the things that happened in your life that I think were a result of you not really having that sort of ingrained fear because of your experiences? I think it's when others die that I, and I've not lost anyone super close to mm -hmm. me yet, mm -hmm. but um, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting where I think I have a great curiosity mm 
as opposed mm-hmm. to an instinct to be yeah. morbid about it. Uh-huh. I mean, I think our culture is overly morbid about this. Yeah, I agree. I, agree. You know, I mean, I definitely agree. It really could be and should be celebrated yeah. in a certain way. And again, I am very spiritual. So, mm-hmm. you know, I believe in like the life of the soul. I do too. And for me, like, I'm really interested in death. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really interested yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I just read about the thing, Priyanka, about the, the chemical that the brain releases in the brain when you... DMT. Yeah, DMT. Yeah. Is that DMT. true? Is that true? Yeah, that... so there's only Is two times in one's life. Well, okay. It's, it's still theoretical, right? Because, I, look, I looked into this and I've... This is, this is my understanding that the, that naturally occurring uh, DMT is secreted in the brain twice in your lifetime, once when you're born and once when you die. Right. But you can also smoke DMT yes. and, and yeah, experience that, it. And it's <laughs> in ayahuasca. It's in, it's in, it's it's present in, in glasses, ayahuasca, evidently. Yeah. I kind of don't want to experience it until I die because I don't, I don't want to be mean, like, oh, this again. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, oh, this whole out of body thing. I want it to. I want to feel like, oh my god, this is incredible. Yeah, you know, you are so right, Penn, about how our culture really does pathologize death in this completely, I think, unhealthy way. If you look back at other indigenous cultures, for example, the ancient Egyptians really believed that this realm, this sort of 3D realm that we're in, was just a stepping stone to the afterlife. Everything was really about the afterlife. When people became pharaohs, they started building their tombs the day they became pharaohs. Oh, wow. In anticipation of their death. So they were prioritizing death in such a different way than the way we look about it. We don't even think about it. We we don't even talk about it. We force ourselves to not think about it. And yet we behave in a way where it's like it's clearly always looming over our shoulder. Like, I'm terrified of death. I'm terrified of death. I'm terrified of death. I'm terrified of death. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I always say I'm good to go. Any day, I'm good to go. But you know why? (laughs) You know why? Not that I wouldn't, you know, be sad in the moment or whatever. No, of course. But because I said I've laughed so hard like to the point where i can't breathe i'm laughing so hard (laughs) and that there's nothing i'm good like i've done it all i do is laugh and and hopefully make other people laugh i'm like great what else is there yeah you know what i mean like love and the joy and all this stuff so i i hope i don't go but if i go know that i'm good to go Uh, and we have it here on record folks you heard it here on hypochondriac (laughs) okay so but wait just just circling back and then we'll get we want to play a little game with yeah but um i this is why hang on now this is why i believe in aliens hang on because (laughs) pen's story mathematically like probable (laughs) yeah Yeah, not only that but because of your story pen where where it's like you had to be resuscitated over and over again as a child it's just a a miracle almost Mm -hmm. that you made it right and there's so many stories where infants, you know, they just pull through. And mm-hmm. you figure, like, how in the world did we make it this far? Go back, you know, 200 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, 3,000 years, 6,000 years, a million years, whatever it is. How in the world are mm. we here? It's we like, keep it, making it. It's not, it's not possible. It's a, mm-hmm. like Mozart. Mozart had six children, right? And only mm-hmm. two survived. Oh, wow. So just how, how in the world did we survive all of these, you know, the winters and the summers and the yeah. tsunamis and the earthquakes and the whatever it is. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, human ingenuity and evolution. But evolution. Uh, you know, so, so I'm curious, Sean, when you're, yeah. if you're thinking about the influence of aliens throughout humanity's history and you also, because I'm with you on that, like not necessarily that they've influenced human history, but that just mathematically and scientifically speaking, it's mm-hmm. likely that there's aliens. I don't know about contact here, but I'm just saying, you know, life on Earth. Like, totally whatever, believe right? they've been here. So uh, <laughs> if there's such a thing as the, the, the soul, yeah. then it's mm-hmm. probably not just human. It's, I mean, you know, there's some kind of rational right. faculty, which is the essence of a conscious being. And so, right. then, mm-hmm. so 
are aliens really aliens? Aren't they just humans? Ooh, ooh. Right, with different interfaces. Yeah, different right? interfaces, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Wait, say it again. Are aliens really aliens? Are aliens so, so the word alien, if you think about it, is like it used to be, you know, somebody across the river was an alien. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And then it was the other state, and then it was another country. And then, so now it's just other planets, but it's not really. It's like rational beings with the capacity mm-hmm. for to consciousness travel. and to travel. I mean, first of all, I feel like it's most likely that they've reached a level of, of consciousness and, and the ability to maintain peace in their environment mm-hmm. because... Right. As warmongering as we are, we know we're not going to make it if we don't recognize that there's right. a, there's a whole other like way that we must live. Like this mm-hmm. idea that there are other beings that are looking for um, I don't know for more violence and stuff. It just seems to me it's it's, yeah. it's irrational. It's irrational. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about more aliens, maybe on a different podcast. <laughs> like, by the well, way, I, I could talk about that for hours. I love it, but that's a different podcast. Actually, this is really important though because right now. We still, I mean, you want to call it warmongering. I think we human beings still fall into the delusion that maybe someone who comes from a different country or speaks a different language or has a different ideology, even here in the United States, is somehow bad and needs to be eliminated or destroyed. Or or feared at least, at the very least. Yeah, like we have aliens here in our own backyard. And and whether or not aliens exist on other planets, like we really need to figure out how to coexist here on this one planet that we have. So Why? I haven't been, I don't watch the news. What are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, Wait, (laughs) I have one more question for you, Penn, before we play the game. You know, you talked about you consider yourself spiritual and having an experience like this can obviously shape the way we look at our lives and maybe the the reason we're here on this earth and our yeah. life purpose. It, do, yeah. you, do you feel like, if you're comfortable sharing, like how that early experience played a role on your own life view and what you think you're doing here on earth? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I yeah. get chills I when you that. ask the question like that. That's beautiful. Thank you for asking. Oh, thank so, you. So, um, I mean, to me, the the purpose of life, as I have come to understand it, the nature of our existence, it, it does have direction. It does have meaning, and that's to to, to serve each other. You know, to, mm. to to better the world. Yes, I do believe in this source of our origin having totally transcendent meaning and truth and reality, which you know, in a time mm. previously, someone would have called God. I don't like to use that word, at least on a podcast, like mm-hmm. you know. Because that word is so loaded for so many people, mm-hmm. and I recognize that, and I and I don't mm-hmm. use it, I think, uh, without tact. So yes, I do believe in God, but I think that word has been wielded like a like a weapon for so long, you know, mm-hmm. and the organization around it. To me, you know, there, there's there's no proof that God doesn't exist. Uh, evolution is a is a great proof. We're coming to understand maybe our our in the past like uh, sort of more philosophical assumptions that were made upon evolutionary theory like this idea that competition is sort of the generator of excellence and the sort of operating system for life on earth well that's actually not really true like Hmm. it's not just survival of the fittest actually there's such high elegant collaboration in all Mm -hmm. created things you know Mm -hmm. like you look at the intricate system that is the planet earth i mean you could say that it is a complete struggle for existence and that it's just a complete aberration and everything is 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 entropic Okay, fine. That is true on a certain level. But I mean, the elegant balance and totality mm. of this vast organism that we that we live right. on and we're a part of. I mean, to me, it's like, well, it's just as easily evidence that there is total meaning and purpose to, mm. to, mm-hmm. to, to, to life and existence. Mm. And so to me, it's just a shift from defining that as competition 
to collaboration, mm. like mutual empowerment, mutualism. That's it's, beautiful. It's we're all here to serve each other and that that's actually how we serve ourselves. Absolutely. Oh, I love that's that. That's gorgeous. First of all, wait a minute. You need to start another podcast. Like everything <laughs> you just said is brilliant. Oh, yes. And on, on the subject of, of, of all of that, like I would listen yeah. to that. I would listen it, to you talk I, about that. I would that start that podcast. Um, yeah. That is a passion project that in the future probably will exist because yeah. I stumbled into this one of my two co-hosts and it's like, it's it's been such a rich vein, but like uh-huh. the one that I would do on my own is like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah well, yeah, we would sure. all listen to it. Yeah, I'd listen. Uh, but I'd listen you, know, for sure. you know what else people are going to listen to? A game that we're going to play. Let's do Dr. Wally's Hall of Fame. You're each going to get three questions. And if you don't know the answer, guess, because I give possible points for creativity. Sean, you're going to go up first. Are you ready? Okay, great. Okay, first question. Encephalitis is the inflammation of which body part? Encephalitis. I can spell well, it for it, you. If well, you'd like. it, no, that's okay. If it's the penis, I suffer from it. What is oh, it? Oh, <laughs> well, that is not the correct answer. It is not inflammation of your penis. Do you want to take a guess, Ben? It's brain. That is correct. It is? Yes, How do you inflammation know that? of your brain. I, you know, I don't, I don't remember. All right. Latin word for for brain cephalo and cephalitis. Itis is oh, inflammation. Wow. All right. Okay. Second question for Sean. Which mid two thousands teen drama series had the catchphrase? That's one secret I'll never tell. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> mid nineteen nineties. No, mid two thousands. No, no oh, mid two thousands drama. Teen drama. Well, I, I if it's. Can we it's, give you a hint? It's not yeah. Gossip Girl. It's not Gossip yeah, it's, Girl. It's, it's Gossip, Gossip Girl. Girl. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. Third question. You guest starred on an episode of Portlandia. What kind of shop was your character trying to decorate? <laughs> I'll never forget it. We laughed so hard. Um, me and Fred Armisen were, uh, and Carrie, who was on the show, yeah. we were trying to decorate a coffee shop. That is correct. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so you got With two out art. of three questions, and Penn already got one of your questions. So, Penn, you're up now. First question, how many ribs are in the average human body? Uh, I want to say 16, but I just don't know. That is close but incorrect. The answer is 24, 12 oh. on each side. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. 12 so, on each side? Yes. That's so 24 many. divided by two. I feel two. like the skeletons yes. I look at on Halloween do not have that <laughs> yeah. many I ribs. know. They're so inaccurate. You should imagine <laughs> how upset it makes me. Okay, second question. Which Kate Bush song had a resurgence in popularity oh. after being featured in the fourth season of Stranger yeah, Things? I've be, uh, been running up that hill. Is that? But it's not called that, is it? It's called something else. Run, it's, um, yeah. Well, I'll give you the point. Uh, okay, it's been a, running up that hill, hill running up that road, having a conversation with God or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I can't remember a deal, all the words. A deal, a deal with God. God. A deal right. with God. Yeah, very good. Swap our places. Okay, third question. In the original Gossip Girl, what was the title of your character Dan's tell-all book? <laughs> oh, inside. That is correct. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. you got two for three, but you stole Sean's point. So uh, you win, Dr. Wally's Hall of you Fame. You win everywhere in life. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're winning too, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Penn. But Penn, you're so nice to be here. We, we love yeah, you. Yeah, thank we, you this, so much I, I for sharing your I love those conversations. Yeah. yeah. And I'm love, so glad you can breathe and your heart's running normal now. Yeah, me now. too. You know, at least yeah. one time. And by the way, season four of you four. is coming yeah, out? Yeah, in a couple months. That's so yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. So everybody check that out. Penn, thank you for being here. And, Thank uh, you. Everybody listen to his podcast. Bye, Penn. Thanks Bye, Penn. a lot. Bye, guys.
Oh man, that was really great. That's great. And it, it brought up so many important points. One thing that I didn't get a chance to say on the show, you know, when you can't assume someone is comfortable being touched, you know, yeah, I think it's I always important. Like if, even if you have a established relationship with someone to ask them before, like, can I give you a hug to you know ask what? for yes. consent before right. hugging them? You know, I know. And I need to, I need to do that because I'm, <laughs> I, I know earlier in the show, I said, I don't like to be touched, but I, I think it's depends on who it is. Of course. That's what it is, right? Of course. But I, but I love yeah. hugs and I love getting hugs and I love giving hugs from people who are open and like, you know, positive people. And you can tell, you can read that they're like, oh, they're a very totally. spiritual, loving person. Let's hug it out. And so that's kind of who I am. But but you're right. You have to kind of, can I hug and, you? And you know, how you feel might change, right? Like maybe one day you're more open and you're ready for more hugs or some days you're feeling less open and you don't yeah. want as many hugs. Just so for the record, I'm always open for a hug. You're always open for hugs. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's 100%. Great. I, mean, I always like to ask before giving a hug because my hugs are really like strong. So. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, it was super cool to hear Penn's story and to, you know, to really talk about how these early childhood experiences can have an impact on your on your life. I, what a fascinating uh, story about that. Yeah. And also thanks to Riley for sharing her story about appendicitis, which I is know. incredible. Everybody should take note about that. Um, will you be my doula? <laughs> I will definitely be your doula. I can okay. be your death doula. <laughs> Since you're definitely not giving birth, I'll be your death doula. <laughs> I'll cheer that... you on as you transition to the afterlife. Oh my God, it's so more. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks, honey. That's oh. very sweet. Also the name of your book, right? De yeah. My death doula. Death doula, the Priyanka Wally experience. <laughs> Guys, until next time, we love oh. you. Don't worry. Be healthy. Bye. Bye. Hypochondria Actor is a Hazy Mills production hosted by me, Sean Hayes, and Dr. Priyanka Wally. Rebecca Eisenberg and Todd Milliner are our executive producers. Production and editing is by Rabbit Grin Productions. Original music by Scott Eisenogle and Leo Rosner. This is a Hazy Mills production. All content discussed on Hypochondriactor are the individual opinions of Dr. Priyanka Wally and Sean Hayes and should not be construed as personalized medical advice. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast.